Before I begin my message this morning, I wanted to provide a ministry update. Uh, we want to uh, provide these kind of updates every so often as part of our intentional effort to be uh, uh, more communicative with all of our members about things going on in the life of the congregation. So uh, a, a few updates uh, this morning. First of all, a reminder that we are having a voters meeting today right after this service over in the fellowship hall. Uh, uh, Paul Zills, our consultant on uh, the policy governance model that we are considering, will make a, a uh, brief, briefer presentation than yesterday's workshop about policy governance. And then we will ask the voters to approve the next phase of the process of considering this new model of governing uh, here at Shepherd of the Desert. So I hope that you will plan to come and uh, uh, your, as your input is certainly valued and important. Um, the call committee, pastoral call committee, has been working uh, very diligently, and they are going to be sending out a survey this week by email to everyone with email addresses, all the members, and then there will also be a paper copy of the survey available for those who don't do email. Uh, so you can pick up the paper copy later this week or next Sunday when you're here for worship. But uh, basically, the survey is going to ask for your input about what you would like to see in our next senior pastor. And uh, your input is extremely important in informing the process. So please respond to that. Please fill that out and send that in. That will be very, very helpful. We have a missions action team that has been formed that has begun a meeting to talk about planning our mission efforts as a congregation. And they would like your input about the priorities on mission projects locally, globally, and so on. And at the December 16th congregational meeting, uh, they're going to be seeking your input uh, about this, uh, this concept. So we hope that you'll come with some ideas about mission projects to support and mission efforts around the world. Um, earlier at the 930 service, we were blessed to have some of our preschool children uh, sing here uh, on our campus, and it's, it's intentional to bring more of our young preschool families onto the Shea campus uh, and hopefully have some of them be a part of our worshiping community. Um, and then the last item is related to the school. At the December 16th uh, voters meeting, uh, our school board is going to be providing an update about uh, what they are finding in terms of uh, considering various options for expanding our preschool ministry onto this campus. They're exploring different possibilities, one of which might be serving uh, children age zero to two, uh, where, where families, where both parents are working and need that kind of, uh, of assistance. That's one option. There are others that they are looking, at to, looking into considering the costs involved, and they're going to make a presentation at the December 16th voters meeting. So please be watching for that and, and come to that, that meeting. That will be extremely important. Uh, it, it's our intention to be as open as we can about the things that are going on. If you ever have any questions, please feel free to contact myself, the other pastors, uh, Tom Englert, the president of the congregation, members of our board of directors, or members of our various ministry boards we're more than happy to be of assistance. Let's pray. Lord God, you call us your beloved children. You have made us members of your family by your grace. 
Lord, in response to your love, help us to be able to say each, I am yours. For Jesus' sake, amen. We are beginning a brand new sermon series today, a three-week series that's called God's Love, My Response. God's Love, My Response. You know, when you study the Bible, when you read through it, it becomes pretty clear that the main message of this book is that God loves people. God loves people. You know, from the very beginning, God could have just remained by himself. But he chose to do this amazing thing, to create this incredible universe, and the crown of his creation, the greatest thing he made was people. The last thing, the best thing was people. And he loves people. And he made his love for people most evident by coming into this world himself in human form, becoming one of us. We're going to celebrate that, of course, in about a month and a half. We call it Christmas, when God, the second person of the Godhead, took on a human form in the form of a baby who was given the name Jesus. And you know, when we read about Jesus and his life and his ministry and what he did ultimately at the cross and the empty tomb, we see that Jesus shows us what real love really looks like. You know, a lot of people talk about love today, but I wonder how many really understand what true love is. When we study the life of Jesus, he shows us what real love looks like. That story that I shared with Annika a moment ago is such a powerful story. Jesus and the children. I mean, it's hard for us to imagine Anybody telling parents, don't bring your kids to Jesus. I don't know what the disciples were thinking. What, he, he's too serious for kids or, or kids are too rambunctious for Jesus? or I don't know what they were thinking. But it wasn't in line with Jesus' thinking. He welcomed the children to himself. Let them come to me. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Jesus loves children. We see it so clearly. I love this artist's rendition of that story of Jesus and the children. It just shows the real Jesus, you know. He really was human. I I can imagine the kids climbing all over him and, and him having fun with them as he lets them know they're loved. They're loved dearly as children of God. You who are parents, you know you love your children dearly. Even when they're naughty, right? Now, you don't like the naughty things they do, but you still love them. You still love them. You want the best for them. And likewise with God. God loves each and every one of you, even when we are naughty. Yes, we are his special children, and he loves us even when we mess things up. Because he wants the best for us, for all eternity. And of course, God displayed his love for us most clearly at a cross on a hill on the outskirts of Jerusalem. There, Jesus shows us the extent of his love for us as he stretches out his arms and says, this is how much I love you. 
Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. As he died in your place and mine. There, he forgives our sins. There, we see what love looks like. There, we're assured of eternal life. We're assured that if we died right now, our soul would be in heaven through faith in Jesus, our Savior. That is amazing love. And that, my friends, is the main message of the Bible. That is the main message of this book. And through faith in Jesus, we have been adopted into God's family. We are children of God by His grace. That's what that reading that Audrey read a moment ago was, was talking about, that, that reading from Romans 8. I want to come back to that one and point out a few key phrases in this passage. St. Paul is writing these words to the Christians in Rome, and look what he says about our relationship with God the Father. He says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. We can add to daughtership. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself tes testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Let's pause there for a moment and highlight a few of the key phrases in that passage alone that I think are so powerful. First of all, he says, the spirit you received brought about your adoption. By God the Holy Spirit, working in your heart, creating faith in your heart through your baptism, through the gospel message, you've been adopted into God's forever family. I think that is so powerful. When I think about parents who choose to adopt a child into their family, I'm moved at the heart. It's such an example of deep love and commitment. My brother, Dean, and his wife, Leah, adopted a young girl from Ecuador a number of years ago. She is now a young teenager. And yeah, she's given them some challenges to be sure. But they love her no matter what. They love her dearly. And it is such a powerful thing for her to understand she now has a family. She's loved and accepted and received within that family. And friends, that's what God has done for you and me. When we were once outside of God's family because of sin, God adopted us into his family by grace. That is amazing love. Then Paul goes on and says, and by him we cry, Abba, Father, Abba, Abba. It's a Hebrew word. Ab alone, A-B, Ab, is father in the formal sense. Father, it's a very formal word. But Abba is the diminutive. It's like saying daddy. And that's the relationship we have with God, our Abba, our daddy. That we can approach him as his dearly loved children. And knowing that he truly is interested in hearing from us whatever is on our heart. Abba, Father. Then he says the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And notice what he says next. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God. 
Wow. Heirs. So, so what, is a, what does an heir benefit? An heir inherits everything the parents own, right? The heir inherits what the parents have. And Paul is saying that we are heirs of God. As children of God, we inherit everything God owns. What does God own? He created the universe. He owns all of heaven. And all of that he gives to you as a child of God. Wow, that is amazing grace. That is incredible love. God's love for you and me. We've been adopted. We can call him daddy. We are heirs of everything that he has. Now, here's my question for today. In light of all of that, in light of how much God loves you, what is your response to that? That's what we're going to grapple with over these three Sundays. What is my response to God's love for me? That's what we're going to be exploring. God's love, my response. And my first response, and the theme today is, I am yours. I am yours, God. I am yours. That really has two meanings if you think about it. First of all, it's the identity issue. I belong to God. God, I am yours by your grace. You have made me your child. A lot of people wrestle with their identity today. Identity theft is an issue too, isn't it? But a lot of people struggle with, who am I really? And they're bombarded by messages from the world that says, you're not good enough as you are. You need to be different from what you are. And they struggle with, who am I really? But friends, in Christ, we find our real identity. I am yours, God. I'm your child in baptism. I'm your child by grace. I'm your child because you love me. I am yours. But that phrase, I am yours, has a second meaning to it. Now that God has made me his, now I can say I am yours from another perspective. God, you love me so much, I commit myself to you as well. I, God, am yours. I put you first in my life. This is essentially what St. Paul is writing in his second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 15. And he's, he's basically answering the question, okay, knowing that God loves me, how should I live now? How should I live? Listen to what Paul says. It says, and he, that is Jesus, died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. There it is. How should we then live? For the glory and honor of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus died for me, and that moves me, that motivates me to want to live for him. It's not because I have to, it's because I want to, as a response to what he's done for me. I want to live my life in a way that honors him in everything I do. It means I want to honor God in my marriage, in my family life. I want to honor God in my professional life. I want to honor God in in my interactions with neighbors and, and other associates. Maybe you can fill in the blank for yourself. I want to honor God at school as a student. I want to honor God in my professional relationships. I want to honor God 
with my extended family members that I haven't talked to for years. I want to honor God in everything. My response to God's love is to say to him, God, I am yours. I think that is what Joshua in the Old Testament was challenging the people of Israel to do. I'm going to remind you of a story from the Old Testament involving Joshua. But I think he challenged the people to respond to God's love for them with heartfelt devotion. And the story goes back to the days after Moses had led the people out of slavery in Egypt and led them across the wilderness and brought them to the edge of the Jordan River. But then Moses died and he was buried on Mount Nebo and Joshua took over as his successor. Joshua was the one who then led the people across the Jordan River into Canaan, the promised land. They settled the land and lived there for many years. But over the course of time, the Israelites began straying away from their devotion to the true God. They started acknowledging and even worshiping idols, false gods that really didn't even exist. And so Joshua confronts the people of Israel about this, and he he does it, first of all, by reminding them of what they've forgotten. He reminds them of just how much God has loved them over the centuries. He recounts for them how God had brought them out of slavery in Egypt, led them to this promised land, and provided all that they needed, and promised a Savior to come. Now, we come in on the middle of the conversation. I'm going to read this text for you from Joshua 24. You can follow along on the screens, but understand we're jumping in in the middle of the conversation. But look what Joshua says to the people. Now, fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Now, notice how they respond. They listened. And it says, then the people answered, far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. Now look what they said. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. Wow. What did they do? They remembered. They remembered God's love for them. And that's what changed their hearts. And they responded to God's love. Essentially, each of them was saying, God, I am yours. And friends, that's our response too. God, I am yours. And when I think about God's love for me, I make that response with joy. With joy in my heart, it's, again, it's not something I have to do. It's something I want to do joyfully. Yes, God, I thank you 
that I am yours. And yes, God, I dedicate myself to you. I am yours. It's a matter of joy. And joy always begins with Jesus and what he did for you and me. I think it's kind of cool that the word joy starts with the letter J. And if you use it as an acronym, you recognize that Jesus comes first. J for Jesus, then O for others, and Y for you. Jesus first, yourself last. That's the right priority in life. That's what leads to real joy. When we understand what Jesus did for us first, then we respond with gratitude and thankfulness. I am yours, Lord Jesus. I am yours because of what you did for me. Friends, it's about God's love and my response. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Here's my question to you. How will you respond? I pray that you will say to the Lord every single day, Dear God, I am yours. Amen. And may the peace of God which passes human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, your Savior. Amen.